Hello, and welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. On this series, we explore the opportunities and challenges facing the higher education business office. I'm Liz Clark, Vice President for Policy and Research at Nakubo. And on this podcast, I'm delighted to have a very special guest with us today, Anne Ellis, co-founder of MAV Group. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. Lovely to be here, Liz. I am really eager to learn more about MAV Group. And uh, let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about this organization. Well, we founded the first company in the group in 1996, so 27 years ago now. Uh, we started our business in the telecoms industry because John, uh, my partner and also co-founder of the MOVE Group, was at that time a telecoms engineer. He was one of the first 30 employees of one of the biggest telecom companies in the UK, and that was in 1994. At that time, once they'd launched the UK company, they were headhunted to go and set up networks in all the different countries, starting off in Europe, and then they moved off to Asia, uh, to Africa, to South America. And we started our company to support these engineers because they needed to be working compliantly in the countries where they were located. So in many cases, they needed a company to employ them. They needed to have visas sponsored by that company. They needed to be registered on the payroll of that company so they could be paid their salaries locally in local currency and pay taxes to the authorities. So what we did was we followed these projects and which were mainly managed by Nokia, Ericsson, uh, Motorola, and we supported the engineers. We set up a company in the country where the project would take place and then went on to employ them um, obtain their visas, put them on our payroll and pay their salaries. We did this for around till 2010, uh, which was one of our largest project, projects since 2010. 2013 was in South Africa. And in 2011, which was after the world crash, we thought this sort of service, we can offer it to anybody in any industry. So we came to the US and we um, attended the SHRM annual conference. That's the uh, Society for Human Resources Management. Yes, and that was in Atlanta that year. Mm -hmm. And we had our first stand, mm -hmm. our first booze, as you say. <laughs> and when the people used to come to the stand, they say, so what do you do? And we said, well, actually, we can employ people on the behalf of the client um, if they don't have an entity in a, in a country or they want to have a project in a country. And they said, we've never heard of that sort of service. Obviously, now, 13 years down the line, it's a very popular service and we're still providing that service um, to any type of company, small, medium-sized multinationals from any industry. Um, and also added to that sort of service, we also obviously, having been doing this for 27 years, we can provide uh, different other services such as payroll service, immigration, company setup, because we set up our own companies in 65 countries. Um, we can do HR services because we have knowledge, having now worked in over 120 countries, we have a lot of knowledge how to operate in those countries the laws, the labor laws, anything to do with employing people. 
And how did you first come to find higher education as a sector to serve? Well, we were introduced to a large, one of the Ivy League universities. I was personally introduced, actually, to in 2012. And uh, our first, the first service we offered was to employ a professor, a very famous professor in South Africa, who carried out summer courses for this university. And we did that for about, I think, five years. That was the first one. That was the entree. Yes. <laughs> I have seen over the course of my career, explosive growth in the global presence of colleges and universities. And yeah. with that presence comes complex global operations. And yes. uh, can you talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of, of how you serve colleges and universities in, in meeting those operational issues, those compliance concerns? Yeah, well, we first of all, once once we've, um, they come and um, approach us to ask for services, what we do is we always discuss their requirements in detail first, because we find that every, every sort of service is bespoke to that client. So we find it's very important to have the initial discussions on what the, they need and how we can deal with that that sort of uh, what service they need. I will say that we don't like to say no to anything. <laughs> so, so we've actually grown our, our organisation by the fact that a client will say, oh, do you think you could do that? Well, not at the moment. Maybe you can look at doing it. Or even if they want a service in a country where we may not be located, we will say, well, we might not be able to do it immediately, but we can look at being there in that country within three to six months. So that's how we've grown, really, by looking at the requirements of our clients and then offering, saying yes. <laughs> and just how global are you? How many countries are you serving? Well, we've got our own entities in 65 countries, but we offer services in over 100 countries. Wow, that's so we're, I always say we're from Japan to Chile. We go from one side of the world to the other. And we're in all continents, and we're particularly growing now in uh, as as uh, as because of the requirements of our clients in Africa, because we also work not only with educational institutions a lot with lots of NGOs in the US, in the UK, in Europe, and also we're growing our uh, services in Central America now. Those are the two areas where we're concentrating, focusing on getting new solutions in place. So we've recently emerged from a global pandemic, and there were no shortage of challenges domestically when it came to untangling the problems that colleges and universities were facing in meeting their mission, serving their students, both from an undergraduate education perspective, uh, as well as a graduate and research perspective. What kind of challenges were you helping colleges work through during the years of the pandemic? Actually, we, John, my husband and I, we attended a tax, Nakubo tax forum in Atlanta again in 2019 and met up with quite a lot of uh, key people from the universities. And as a result of that, when the pandemic started, they came to us and said, we had one university who had a big challenge because they had research assistants and teaching assistants who were located, who came from all over the world, would normally be coming to the US, would get, obtain a visa and work at the university. But obviously, this wasn't possible when the whole world was in lockdown. So they came to us and said, we need to 
be able to uh, utilize these people, but um, they need to stay where they are located. Um, can you, and they need to be paid stipends, um, can you do that? And can you give us the implications of what that will mean? So we had to go to research all the countries, which were 30 in total, to find out if we could actually pay stipends and if stipends in that country were taxable. So we went and did that. And as I said um, before, previously, we had 51 of them located in 30 different countries for a period of around two years. Um, many of the universities had the same sort of problems and came to us and said, can you employ these people in this country? And in that period, we actually, during the pandemic, we tripled in size uh, when lots, you know, it was a very difficult period for many organisations, but it was an extremely busy period for us. So you tripled in size during the pandemic. Were there new pathways of engaging students created? Are any of those arrangements continuing today? Uh, and have they created new and novel ways for colleges and universities to develop relationships with their graduate students or faculty or others uh, on, in, a, in a global manner? Yeah, I think it's given the opportunities, um, the fact that we can offer this service given the, the universities an opportunity to utilise people outside the US much more than they would have in the past. We also get involved in employing people who are on research products, very interesting research products. I've made a note here of some of the sort of titles. Yeah, we have like um, people that are doing online courses um, in different countries, from different countries in the world, providing them to the students of the universities, which gives them much more um, opportunities to bring in people they wouldn't normally have been able to to utilise. We have data analysis people, technicians. We also work with some colleges. Um, we provide a short-term solution where they might have a project for a semester and they only want to employ that person for that short-term semester which is roughly three months mm -hmm. because we don't we, we sometimes um, employ people on a long-term basis where they'd be indefinite contracts but can also do not in every country but in a number of countries we can do fixed term contracts so they don't they can start and then finish three months later or they or it'll happen annually so we get all sorts of wild and wonderful requests <laughs> we once in the early days we had the university were doing an archaeological dig and we actually even employed the cook wow. on, the, uh -huh. on the dick. It, it sounds like you truly enjoy being a problem solver. Yes, we do. That's fascinating. Uh, are there any more stories or more information you want to share about? Well, we, we, we've been involved in a lot of very interesting projects. And in fact, in one, uh, one of the reasons we have been involved with Nakubo, because I can't remember, it's about least five, six years ago, we were invited to do a presentation at Nakubo in Baltimore with a university to describe how we'd supported them. Um, it was in Pakistan, actually, and we employed five nationals there to run a project, um, which ended up where they built a big research place for the university. And it was great. Actually, I managed to listen to a talk by the lady that was involved in it. And she showed photos of what they'd built, which was amazing to feel that we'd got involved in that and been able to help them to do it. 
I find that very satisfying. It is, it is. And I, I love in your previous example that you mentioned being able to offer employment to a cook on an yeah. archaeological <laughs> dig. Here at Nakubo, there are no shortage of stories from our college and university members that present really unique situations and yeah. and tell the story of the diverse needs of colleges and universities. Yes. I know uh, that uh, they bring to us a number of challenges, a number of problems that need to be solved, and they're always looking for that new arrow they can put in their quiver to help yeah. solve their problems. And anything else that you'd like well, to share? Well, I, I think I, I think another thing that we've been able to help with, there have been quite a lot of, in the past, a lot of the universities would um, utilize um, independent contractors to to provide the service they needed outside of the US. But that has become obviously far more difficult because of compliance issues. Mm -hmm. What we also can do, if they come to us and say, we have these independent contractors in various countries around the world, we can do an assessment for them, a risk assessment on their situation, their current, the way they're set up. And then we can then, once we've done the assessment, we can then offer uh, ways of lessening the risks mm -hmm. and how they can deal with these risks or obviously we can say that we can employ these contractors who are locals and make sure that they're compliant in country and paying taxes and whatever else needs to be paid so we're helping to make everything more compliant and i don't know if you have a story here or not but i'm wondering if you can provide a an example of one of the stickiest situations or more complex challenges that that you've solved and and felt really satisfied after figuring out how to solve. I think one of the, I think one of the difficult ones we had to deal with a couple of years ago was that we that we were approached to set up an office for a university in Malawi, um, and that was a difficult um, project to deal with, but we managed to do it successfully. And then we also obviously employed the people that were working in that office. And that was very satisfying to be able to do that. That's great. I know that there are uh, a lot of institutions that consider themselves lucky that there are folks out there like you that can help them solve challenges like establishing an employment relationship with someone in Malawi. Uh, <laughs> that's not something that's in everybody's toolkit uh, that they that they bring to a college or university business office. So that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> that's very cool. And anything else you'd like to share? Well, I think I'd like to mention that the fact is that we we like to, our approach is always that we like to provide a personal service. It's all about talking, discussing. Also, throughout the project, we like to keep in regular contact with the people, our contacts at the university, have catch up with that that person or people, see how things are going. It's all about being collaborative and working side by side because basically it is a bit of a especially with the employer record service it's a tripartite agreement so we have us as the company that's employing the person making them compliant in country we have the university who are obviously giving the instructions every day as to how what those people are doing in the country and then we have the worker the, the worker and to us the workers are, are, are very important and we have regular catch-ups with them regular uh, we have a customer services team that are based in different parts of the world and they will catch up with the worker make sure those people are feeling happy and what you know, with us, because obviously it's a bit of a 
a weird situation because they're actually working for the university, but mm -hmm. they're also employed by us in country. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we all talk to each other and keep in touch regularly. I think that's very important. And when you're working with a college or university, who's your usual first point of contact? Is it the Human Resources Office? Some universities, the larger ones, I think, um, do have a global mobility team, mm -hmm. which helps a lot because then they are our point of contact. And then behind the scenes, they then work because some of the larger universities have many faculties. Mm -hmm. So it's quite complex what they're doing behind the scenes. And if we had to... You know, if we had to deal with every faculty, it would become more difficult. Mm -hmm. So in some universities have that in place, others don't. But okay. <laughs> And we, we, we appoint an account manager mm -hmm. to every university, okay. and that's the person they talk to from okay. our, our organisation. And then whatever they request then gets passed up back to the back office. We have, you know, the payroll department, the finance department, the payments, the contracts, obviously, the account manager will be the front end, so they don't have to be in touch with multiple people. So that makes it easier for them. So here's my final question for you. Uh, as you work with colleges and universities and as you work with other businesses and industries, what makes higher education unique? Well, I think to me, actually, I was a teacher in my previous life. That was what I did. So I've actually worked in education myself. And I feel it's very satisfying to be able to support educational institutions and help them to work, you know, more efficiently, to compliantly. Um, and I find that very satisfying, actually. As a Nakubo employee, I share that sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you, Mav, for supporting our podcast booth at the Nakubo Annual Meeting in 2023. And listeners, thank you for joining the Nakubo in Brief podcast. You can find additional resources related to this episode of Nakubo in Brief at nakubo.org. Thank you again, Anne. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>